I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you. You create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we got Marco Mel with us. He's the executive director of the Crossroads Coalition up in East Arkansas. So, Mark, welcome to our show. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's an honor. Pleasure. Well, we're happy to have him. So the last two weeks, y'all have heard uh, Alex and I interview ourselves, and uh, normally we would have thought that was too self-promotional, Mark, but Mark's actually the man that sent us an email and wanted us to do that. So we said, if we're going to do it, we're going to get him on here the week after. So Mark, uh, (laughs) thank you for that idea, and we're glad to have you part of our movement. Glad to have you here. Well, you know, I promise, had I known that this would involve me being the, the, the guest afterwards, then I probably would not have suggested it, but uh, <laughs> I am happy, and it is interesting, uh, the, the one on Alex I caught yesterday, so ready yeah. to hear who's next. Well, let's just start off, tell these folks kind of the territory that, uh, that makes up the East Arkansas Crossroads Coalition. Well, as you mentioned, we're uh, East Arkansas, which is the Arkansas Delta, for the most part adjacent to the Mississippi River running along the the bank. We essentially covered seven of the most disconnected, poorest, underserved counties in Arkansas. We are kind of established just to be that go-between the local development group, and in some cases there are none, depending on the community. Kind of go-between catalysts with the state organization, Delta Regional Authority, other USDA, whatever the case might be. We're just essentially here to help push change. Well, you know, we got offices New Orleans, St. Louis. Seems like we do all kind of business up and down that river. <laughs> so from uh, from your area to and, you know, we promote our, our proximity to to getting down that river to New Orleans and, and Mobile and so forth. 
Oh yeah. I mean, we do literally up and I could just spend a day going up and down the river, seeing all our clients and I wouldn't ever get them all seen. And so I just naturally gravitate to y'all's region. And I don't know if you remember, but when we first started our business, Alex and I went to Memphis for an SCDC event. I don't even think we had told anybody yet that we were starting our business and we came to see you. So that's been seven years. Time flies. That's been seven years ago now. Crazy, isn't it? You know, I'm amazed and I'm not surprised by any means, but definitely amazed very impressive how far you've come and, and how quickly, really, in seven years. We come a long way from that first meeting, that's for sure. So, uh, one and, thing you know, can't that first meeting, we, uh, you know, we do the, the Grizzlies game in the box with the governor. Yeah, and yeah. Mark had us to a Memphis Grizzlies game, which I have to brag on is very smart. I mean, I think that's one of the lessons people can learn from you because you're in Arkansas, yet you promote Memphis, Tennessee side. You know, the Grizzlies play in Tennessee, a lot of economic developers. While they'll promote other areas, you know, they don't go on and really use those assets. And I think that's very, very smart and a lesson that people can learn. You know, Prospect doesn't care if they're in Tennessee or Arkansas, but that was a great event you had. Mark had us up with three or four site selectors, and I invited some folks I knew, and we did a tour of the region in Arkansas and did the Grizzlies game at night, and even the governor came over. So I think that's a good lesson folks can learn from you about regionalism. I don't know. Have you been in that Delta Leadership Authority? Because they go up and down the river, and I used to enjoy that because they would come to New Orleans. I don't know if your class did. Of course, now with the pandemic, they have not done that. But I really felt, I never did it, but I felt in looking at what they did, I felt that was really valuable and worthwhile. So uh, you might talk a little bit about your experience. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, so not to put you on the spot, but you might talk about your experience through that program. Well, it was great experience. I participated the first year Chairman Call was there, who I knew ahead of time. So that was, you know, a plus. I, I love Chairman Madison Gill. But you know, one of the, the the main things I think it taught me was that we're all the same. And what I mean, obviously, you know, that's broad and generic, but we all have very similar problems. Rather of course workforces across the country, everybody knows that. But just the sense of place, the, the creativeness, the downtowns, every city we went to basically. And with it, over the year, we had four or five different weeks that we spent in, um, I think we were in Paducah, Kentucky. Being in Paducah, we traveled around the entire area, even to Illinois. Basically just kind of got to see how other people are handling the same problems that we have. You know, even driving to some of these events, I'm just on a two-lane highway with cornfields, cotton fields, whatever, you, you know, even closer to the road than they are in Arkansas, which I didn't think you could do. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you could probably reach out and, and touch it almost. I guess it's just eye-opening to the fact that, you know, everybody talks about, oh, well, we have this or that problem. And, you know, they think they're so much different than everybody else. And I think the DRA experience or DLI kind of, open my eyes to the point that we are somewhat all in the same boat and facing similar problems. And while some communities might be more able to correct or, or fix or change the course uh, where they're going, uh, others have a harder time, I'd rather be a small organization or again, you know, a lot of the regions I cover, for example, have a full-time mayor or judge or something doing part-time economic development mm -hmm. or, or in a couple of cases, complete, volunteer group doing the economic development. 
So it's really opened my eyes and been able to help some of these organizations. I've really been impressed with that program. And you know, like I said, we do business up and down the river. I used to be an economic developer in Paducah. Alex is in St. Louis. And so you're exactly right. All, all those towns have the same issues. Many of them have a great deal of character, I guess, because, you know, years ago we first settled river towns. I love a river town. You could drop me in any one of them. And I know I'm in one. You even got to take me down to the river. I, I know I, I, I call them river towns and they're different. And uh, I know all your areas, not river towns. So I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I just absolutely love them, which I guess is why I've ended up where I have in New Orleans. You know, ports are a heck of a seller. So why not? Right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I know you guys are kind of the glue there. So y'all don't actually get the project all the way to the ground. You you basically go out and help your communities find funding and do marketing and do all kind of stuff, but you don't you don't obviously take the credit for it. So tell us just a high level of what your organization does in case there are other uh, folks out there listening that may think, you know, we need something like that to be the glue in our area. We were primarily formed after we lost several big projects under our previous governor. Uh, he introduced a, a regional economic development partnership act and that's uh, kind of how when we came to fruition in a nutshell anything rather rather the particular community we're dealing with has a professional economic developer staff whatever in place whether it's volunteers like i mentioned or a partner or a mayor or whoever doing it we work essentially Whatever might be happening, we come in and help do whatever we can to give it that extra little push. Sometimes that's just connecting to the right people of the state to get something pushed through a process, helping a lot of my communities don't have any kind of economic development sales tax. There's not much funding, really. Cities, income, population, so forth, dropping the past years. It's becoming harder and harder for, for a lot of these communities, of course, to, to devote time and or energy and money to the economic development. You know, they're, they're basically just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So we kind of come in and help a lot of these people do a lot of the recruiting, uh, marketing for the region, get a lot of help from all of our chambers. We have 12 or 15 or so chambers we work with in the area. Essentially, marketing is probably the main focus, followed by workforce, and then followed by probably 25, 30% possibly BRE. You know, I, I don't do near as much as I'd like to. We're just kind of stretched pretty thin. Mm -hmm. But it has been successful for sure. Going through all this COVID and trying to run everything lean and reevaluating our processes and how we're doing things over the last several months, kind of leaning more towards stepping up VRE efforts just because we've been so successful with it. Rather it be jobs or, or just capital investment. Heck, in a lot of cases, in some communities, it's even just a solar field, which, hmm. you know, after two years and it's built, you get the community's going to get, end up with property taxes in the long run once the, the, the abatement's likely over. Kind of finding little niches, or not niches, not necessarily, but kind of little areas that each community can flourish in. I think that's so valuable because sometimes we'll do executive searches in a town. I'll see a town and they really won't have enough money to put in economic development. And I think to themselves, y'all would be better off to pool up together. And, mm -hmm. and go in with several other ones to, to have a real effort. So I think a lot of our rural communities might ought to think about a similar model. So tell these folks, what are the crossroads? Is it I-55 and another road? Or, or what, are the, what are the two roads that you're named after? We were formed in Wynn, Arkansas. And before interstates, evidently, before my time, of course, but uh, Highway 64 and Highway 1 was a huge intersection, huge crossroads. 
Uh, 64 basically runs Little Rock to Memphis and Highway 1 for the most part, Jonesboro to however far south you want to go. That was just kind of a main, main thoroughfare. And, you know, we still, I wouldn't necessarily call it crossroads at this point, but even with the development of interstate in the West Memphis Marion area, we have I-40 and I-55 intersecting. Last I checked, which been more than a year since I looked at any stats on it, but we're the largest transportation corridor. More goods were passing through that intersection than you were in the country. Basically. Oh, yeah, I bet so with, so, with FedEx. Yeah, and you've got a great site down there. The UP Intermodal Port right there in that area. So kind of news to me, kind of a fun fact in my book, I guess. But, you know, interesting to, to, to think about, little old Arkansas. Yeah. Well, tell us how you got into economic development. I wish I knew. That's what everybody says. This point is much more structured. You can major in it. There's, you know, more classes, whatever else. I got in right at, I think the time when I got in, there may have been one or two colleges starting, that I'm aware of anyway, starting to offer economic development and disagree. They were typically the smaller colleges. And of course, now it's pretty widespread. But like most, I kind of fell into it. I actually started at Arkansas Small Business Technology Development Center which is our small business development center, but they did all this extra stuff that had the word technology in there. Very proud of the fact. So I got to, I got to include it as well. Started in Little Rock in grad school, learned about small business development center, heard they had a graduate ship, graduate assistantship position open. So I went and talked to, to a couple of the people, ended up as a, as a grad assistant very shortly after I ended up kind of being in charge of all the the market research and basically all the other graduate assistants and and did a bit more uh, small business consulting at that point as well. So, and then from there moved into a project management role where I ran some of our our really large grants. And I I worked in the Little Rock office, which was the main office. All the market research, all of training course materials, all of the the main marketing for the for the organization uh, all comes out of Little Rock. So essentially, you know, we'd have a handful of, of market research projects we would get, use a, a combination of professional Esri first research, Dun and Bradstreet type data, you know, as well as just sometimes having a you know FOIA for list for this or that, or or even just Google all day long till you finally find something credible. So, you know, some were some tough, some were, were easier, but it, it really kind of introduced me to, to the field and, and helping small businesses. Started in finance before before that, though. You know, I was in college, majored in finance, expected or was wanting to be a, an investment broker and interned uh, when I was in college and decided that really is not what I wanted to do. Wasn't ready to cold call for business for the next however many years of my life until I built a book up. Started in banking wasn't what I thought it was. It was a big, large national bank, whereas I'm from a very small town. Went on to corporate finance from there, worked my way up to finance director of a Job Corps in Little Rock. And it was great. I, I loved the work. I liked the mission. I did not like knowing the second Tuesday of every month, this has to be done. The third Wednesday, you know, I, I like change. I, I don't want to walk in essentially know what's going to happen that day, no matter what. Not as bad as an assembly line, but just kind of felt, you know, it wasn't going to get any better. Plus, I was the boss of a few accountants, and it made me remember why I chose finance versus accounting. 
So <laughs> more power to the accountants out there, but it's not something I, I can't do. Just definitely prefer not to. Right. Well, that's uh, the beauty of economic development. Every day's different. I mean, honestly, every day's different. And, you know, even though we own our own business dealing with economic development, every day is different. And <laughs> you just don't ever know what's going to come up. But I, I, I have a little similar story to you, I guess. Not really. But when I was a senior in college, I didn't know what I was going to do. And the economic development job in my hometown had not yet come around. So I, I remember going off to Edward Jones in Memphis and interviewed. They brought in like 30 kids from Mississippi State and put us up. We had to take this online test. And I really knew nothing about stocks at all. I was interested in it, but I didn't know much about it. And I hauled off up there. And uh, I guess if I hadn't got into economic development, I might have been an Edward Jones person. But I vividly remember, and you being so close to Memphis, that might have been the same place you went. But they brought 30 <laughs> of us up there from Starkville one day to sit in this room and do all these tests. And about two days later, I got a call to come interview to do economic development, and that's how I got in it. There you go. Hey, you know, I, I respect the heck out of the Edward Jones guys. I, I love their model. Actually, my board president's Edward Jones advisor, some of my bigger financial sector sponsors are all edward jones and they're great people if you go through that training and you build the business the way they have you you know essentially selling out of your trunk or door to door the way they train you if if, if you last then you're going to be good so yeah one of my best friends edward jones account that's who we have our retirement and all with and of course they got a huge presence in st louis and i and i guess they do in memphis we're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners be right back right after this I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what's sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database well lois does that for you looking back i should have put my bills and sites on lois it's also easy to use for an economic developer it's just like using facebook it walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth and the thing i like most it works well on my ipad if i'm in an industrial building i want to be able to look at that thing on my ipad lois does that for me other buildings and sites databases struggle with that so if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success now all these years later what really motivates you of all the of all the stuff of economic development what gets you up every morning ready to ready to go to work and not look at it just as a job i enjoy getting out meeting with people helping them change for the better now what aggravates me is when i figure out that i care more than the actual community does. You know, being regional, I'm from Mariana. It's, it's one of the areas we serve, and that's where we moved back to to live. Uh, so, you know, I might be a tiny bit more involved in Mariana, and most people get that. We're headquartered in Wynn. I might be a tiny bit more involved in local community stuff in Wynn. Most people get that. Knowing that whatever we're going to do, and I'm be around to see the the actual effects of a lot of the the programs processes what have you that we're implementing or or that i'm encouraging communities to do you know just the fact that they are changing and they are accepting new ideas 
and not just keeping with the status flow, kind of broadening that horizon, I guess. Uh, and it took a long time. And one community I was helping redevelop a, a website and, and logo and branding and try to streamline it across the board with the city and the, the, the tourism and so forth. And it took uh, this, the, the marketing group, the marketing group that did it, it took three trips. And finally, like one, both the bosses came, I think the third time to try to pry out of this chamber and economic development group that were kind of meeting together to, for, for, to figure out what we were going to do. All they could think of was, was cotton or, or farming or rice or, or ag or you know it, it's hard to to get people that are local to think outside their typical scope it's just changing the things that we all know as economic developers need to be done convincing these people to change what needs to be done at this point in time is a huge feat but it's also a huge accomplishment in my book you know because they and i get their points sometimes not all the time but but you know, the, a lot of these guys were around in the heyday back when our communities, you know, we, you mentioned river, 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 Marietta, for example, they dug a channel connecting to the river. What, you know, I don't know how many miles, but, but a, a decent way just to be able to connect to the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So, you know, river is huge and that's what these guys know. And then rail came along, of course, and helped out, whatever else. But at that point, the downtown started declining. They were trying all these different tactics to, to revive or, or save or tame, at least. And, you know, a lot of what they did at that point, not necessarily wrong. It just a lot of it, unfortunately, one reason or another didn't work. Getting a lot of these people to agree to do something different, which at this point would be not their first time somebody's tried to come in and say you need to do this you know they've probably done it themselves once or twice and hadn't come you know hadn't gotten anywhere and they've probably heard four other people say we need to do this and mm -hmm. try it whatever else but finally getting through and again you know it's been years with some of them a couple of them still working on after as you said six seven years whatever later mm -hmm. getting them to understand you know the game's changed I don't know how much new is actually introduced with the economic development profession versus how much is recycled. You know, I've heard there's nothing new. It's all recycled kind of like styles for clothing. And I, and I definitely agree to that for the most part, like any other industry, I think COVID's helping spur this, but our little industry of economic development, you know, it's a small niche at this point, still small industry. Everybody knows each other, you know, for the most part. Mm -hmm. As you know, we have done a bunch of executive searches in rural towns. I mean, uh, we've probably done 50 to 100 executive searches. I, I'd have to stop and count how many. If I had to guess, I'd say around 75, but it could be more or less. And and, and a good number of them been, have been in rural towns. And I don't know if you watched our video for movement members only that we put out this week. Only our members got it. The public didn't get it. But we have now done so many that I can kind of track the towns that are going to have success and not, and I can almost do it by the median age of their board members. <laughs> I can almost do it. We have done this in enough rural towns and um, that, you know, we, we've done this where probably the median age of their board members will be in their seventies. And my mom and dad are in their seventies. I love them. Those there. are the that's, ones I'm still working on. <laughs> that's right. And, and so there's nothing wrong with that, but, but 
But I'm going to tell you now, uh, and I didn't know we were going to get into this, but I'm glad Mark brought it up. Economic development boards and mayors out there, if you want a good board, you're going to have to mix in a few younger folks. And I mean, you probably honestly need some folks in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. I mean, you you probably need a good cross-reference of the community. And (laughs) as I think back to the... To the rural towns I had success in, uh, I was in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and we had a great board, and they were active. They were energetic. We had some older people on it, but we also had lots of 50-year-olds and 40-year-olds in Paducah. My whole board was highly energetic, and so I often feel sorry for economic developers. You need energy around you. You know, you got to create some energy, and if your board just doesn't have any, it makes it very, very difficult, and and we have now seen- It's a trickle, you know? it's Yeah, that's right it's downhill you know like everything else flows right yeah we have seen it enough now that when i see that alex and i've been talking about this when i see that in the future i may turn a search down just because quite frankly i don't enjoy it and and whoever we hired for that job you know when you small business like we've been starting up you got to take every search you can get but but now we're getting big enough that uh there is not a town too small for us. I love small towns, but, mm-hmm. but what, what I like to see in a board is diversity and not just race or sex age, get your entrepreneur on there, get your lawyer on there, get your engineer right. on there. And right. I think that that is very valuable advice for rural towns. And, you know, I spoke, you know, small niche industry, you guys doing your executive searches, you know, even more so. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back with a lot more right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what? sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database well lois does that for you looking back i should have put my bills and sites on lois it's also easy to use for an economic developer it's just like using facebook it walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth and the thing i like most it works well on my ipad if i'm in an industrial building i want to be able to look at that thing on my ipad lois does that for me other buildings and sites databases struggle with that so if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success i think we are it's funny you bring this up at this time because uh i love the small towns but what i like are small towns that are energetically trying to change things and you will go into some of them not many i mean you know we've only out of the 75 we've done, we've done some big towns too. So we've probably only had five or 10 small towns that I would say just don't have much energy. But though you can spot them, you can almost spot them the first day you're there doing the search. And and I'm not sure they wouldn't be better off for me to advise them on how to set up their board rather than hire an economic developer. So. You know, I'd be hesitant going in just to interview boards if I were a candidate somewhere. You know, it's been a long time since that was the case, but... I mean, you know, they don't have any energy. Then how am I going to feed off anything? Yeah, that's you know, exactly it's, right. It's kind of a, a, a downturn or, you know, whatever for, for the candidates as well. But, you know, also our executives are, are turning over. They're, they're getting younger, more tech savvy, more, more online, more impatient. 
you know, your typical 24 hour turnaround for RFI, things going to shrink down eventually here shortly now, or eventually as in not too distant future, increasingly more important to have some of your processes streamlined. And I'll tell you what we've been doing kind of lately, uh, it's a little off what your question was, but essentially kind of looking at reevaluating what can we do right now that in three or four months, whatever, whenever this whole pandemic has passed for the most part, or, or hopefully anyways, what can we do now that we will wish we had done, you know, in four or five months, looking back saying, wow, why didn't we do this with all, you know, we had all this time on our hands and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, you know, we're reevaluating our technology we're using, whether it be our, our lead generation, our talent recruitment programs, or even our streamline and RFI process to each individual target industry, reevaluating some of the target industries. You know, I've told communities for years, don't say advanced manufacturing. You know, that's, don't say ag innovation, you know, be specific and market specifically to that industry. You know, don't try to sell the auto plant, the same spill, you're going to sell the food processor, obviously. Narrowing it down, getting everything in place, getting your marketing materials in place and getting your information to the point where you can just plug in a few variables and get something back to, to these consultants or um, I think in the future to be increasingly more and more directly dealing with executives, probably quicker you can get them the information, the, the better off you are and eliminate not necessarily fluff, but the extra pieces that take time to maintain that you don't need. And it's, if you have time and if it's kept up and you, you just absolutely love it, by all means, keep it, you know, it, it's, if it's working awesome, keep it. Don't, don't change what's working. But you know, too many times I see, all our, our community is trying to put data charts on their websites. And not only is it expensive to have that kind of stuff developed, it's, you know, you've got to update it all the time. Plus it's not used in my book or, you know, from my understanding anyways, that before you're contacted, whatever else, your professionals are using Esri or whatever other software they have pulling the data before they talk to you. So having, labor force and blah 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 census data on your website i think you know for example you know there's this a bunch of different cases but just as an example you know it's time consuming cost money and not necessarily unless you have a specific uh use for it other than expecting site consultants or executives whoever to, to to search it or to look at it and use that information for their for their actual decision making you know i just don't really see that being a thing in fact, with our website, for all of our building sites, all of our demographics, we have linked now directly to our energy does our, our site selection statewide website, Energy Arkansas runs it. But we, being a partner with the state, also partner with energy, get to, to brand ours page. So it's the same information. You still go to the energy site, but we got, you know, the nice Crossroads Coalition logo at the top, whatever else, and you feel like it's something of ours. So rather than putting a bunch of data and spending, I don't know how much money getting it updated and all of the technical stuff that, uh, you know, I, I, I can run a software program, but the back end, uh, you just kind of get past me quick, mm -hmm. quite often. So, you know, instead of trying to deal with this stuff and causing headaches and whatever else, we link back to our page that we sponsor that we have with the state. Yeah, it drops traffic away from our website, but I'm not in this to have people visiting the website. You know, I want them to visit our website to see the area, what we cover, maybe a brief overview to see that we're legit, to see how we can help, what have you. But 
you know, as far as searching for population, labors, you know, any kind of demographic, socioeconomic, whatever type of data or, or buildings and sites, you know, and, and building sites might be a little bit different, but for small organizations, especially, it's, it's a headache to keep up with. Took it off our website, linked it to the other, and um, it's probably too early to tell really if it's effective or not, or more or less effective. I really probably don't see it causing a whole lot of difference, to be honest. But it's going to be easier on our end. It's going to save us money in the long run. And again, readjusting, looking at this time and, and trying to see where we can cut some money in the budgets. And, you know, we're not fundraising, doing events right now. So we're just kind of trying to streamline everything as much as possible. So that's just kind of one of the areas we felt was uh, easy, a no-brainer, really. The places where you're posting your properties, you know, don't rely on just your state website. I think I've even heard you say that, Jeff. You know, there's a, a whole lot of companies out there. Location one, hey, they're a great one out here. Help you guys out. Yeah, that's a uh, that's actually a good point because when I was in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, see my my jobs were Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, then Paducah, Kentucky. Both were on the border, and so I just put my sites and buildings on Tennessee side and then Kentucky side. Paducah's right there by Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Tennessee, and it's kind of the biggest city in that area. So I really should have had it on all my, uh, I mean, I didn't know that back then. So in Arkansas, if you're not on the site, then you don't exist. You want to do your own listings and possibly generate some of your own leads uh, and not rely on state economic development organization or regional economic development or, or whoever to bring you a project, which is all I ever hear is, hey, when are you going to bring me the next project, you know? as if it's just, we're friends, so they expect me to do something, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas from a state or from whatever point of view, from company's point of view, site selector's point of view, consultant, whatever, you gotta do what works, you know. You, you can't just sell a, a empty box of broken eggs, you know. You, you, you gotta do what's gonna work, what's gonna kinda, you know, get a vibe out that you're a good place to be, you know. Again, back to the small world out there, especially within this industry. You know, you start just doing sales to make a sale and it ends up that, uh, you know, it was a terrible investment for the community. The business finds out that, you know, they were kind of sold a little bit more than what they were actually going to get. It gets back to their counterparts and you're done. So being honest and the, the win-wins always been important. I think increasingly more so now that we're doing more, more online and, and a faster pace and, and so forth. Right. Now, Mark, when I think of y'all's area, in addition to all the ag and the river, I think of all the steel that Arkansas has recruited. It's just tremendous up through that area, and y'all are so aggressive with it. So why don't you talk about some of the success y'all have had in the steel industry? Technically, Arkansas is the largest steel producer in the country at this point. And, and in fact, I say Arkansas to be generous. It's Mississippi County, which is kind of northeast Arkansas. It's not technically one of the counties we cover, but our, a lot of our partners work in Mississippi County. So we have great relations and help them with anything they need. Great relationships with Nucor, who has expanded three times since I've been there. I believe working on a fourth. So they've added coil, paint coil, a new cold mill. And these, I think they employ close to 2,000 people in Mississippi County at this point. Now these expansions are all hundred person job, 200 person job, which is huge for our, you know, it's not the most job creation in the world, but at the same time, a hundred jobs for a steel mill is going to be 250, you know, or so million investment. It's a huge capital investment for a community and a hundred jobs for this community is 
humongous. I don't mean to downplay that by any means. But, you know, typically you think of $240 million investment and you're thinking, how many employees, you know, come to mind when you say that, you know, it kind of takes it to a new category. So, you know, it's just been tremendous uh, opportunity working with Nucor and, and Big River right there is in the area. They've actually recently sold. So that was kind of a, a bittersweet. I'm looking forward to building relationships with the, the new company. And, and I'm glad they got out while the iron was hot, so to speak. There's more still coming out of Mississippi County than Arkansas than everywhere else in the country, which is just crazy to me. Well, and I think that's a great testament to y'all's workforce training programs because th- those steel mills are what, less than 20 years old? Time flies. I mean, they're pretty new in the grand scheme of things. And I remember when, when they started locating there, you know, people wondered, would they be able to get the workforce? And I think Arkansas has done a tremendous job of, of providing them. And, and clearly they wouldn't be expanding if they weren't happy and they didn't think they had the workforce. So obviously that had, for folks that don't know, Mark's telling you Mississippi County, I mean, it is a small rural County. So, you know, oh, it's, uh, it's not yeah, like these steel mills are in downtown. County. I mean, it's, it's not it's, like they're in little rock. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it is challenging in cases. And sometimes I'm thankful for only looking for a hundred people versus a thousand, but you know, it's gotten uh, a chance to be creative with it too. You bust some people in wouldn't need it. They're not far from a bridge to, you know, basically Dyersburg, Tennessee, which they can recruit people from. And then AdTech is one of our huge partners. AdTech is the Arkansas Delta Training Education Consortium. And it's essentially, it's an agreement of all the, I think there's five local community colleges in this, this East Arkansas area. And they've all come to an agreement that they are going to do whatever it takes to help an industry locate, expand, whatever the case might be. So it's much like a workforce program and, and we work with workforce too. AdTech, for example, developed a welding program. So it's more of a certificate, long lasting, you know, actually college type truck driving is when they do in Force City. And heck, I think welding, the, so they do it at uh, Arkansas State Mid-South, which is in West Memphis. It's a nine-month program, and kids are graduating and starting off $90,000 jobs as welders. Now, not all of them, but they are. So, you know, that's just amazing to me. It kind of makes me want to rethink what I'm doing a little bit. But. <laughs> as we wind down, I had to know, so are you a, uh, are you a woo pig suey person? Or are you in Arkansas State? I tell you, Jonesboro's a nice town with Arkansas State. Or where do your loyalties lie? My loyalty is going to be University of Arkansas. Now, that said, I may or have become a huge Arkansas State fan. And their campus and their, the town of Jonesboro that you mentioned, it's, I think a lot of our growth in the area is, you know, essentially stemming from them. And, and of course, it's been off from Memphis. It's a tremendous college at this point. And it's grown at a huge pace. It's pretty as can be. The town's amazing now. We work closely with the Delta Center, which provides a lot of data. And, you know, I, I have come to like my Redwoods a whole, whole lot. I love yeah. my hogs, but I, but I really, really, really like my red. Arkansas State and University of Arkansas are going to play each other again. Okay. They yeah. Started 2025, I think, which has been something that's like always been just, it's always been talked about, but always just kind of unheard of actually doing it. Yeah. Know? Well, I think the SEC needs Arkansas to be back good at basket. Those used to be fun, the SEC tournaments, when Arkansas and Kentucky were good, when Nolan Richardson was there. And, of course, now Arkansas hasn't been good in a while, and Kentucky's terrible. <laughs> so, uh, so. I know that. I'm even more disappointed in Kentucky falling down, I think. 
it's even kind of more surprising. It suits me fine. I root against them on account of my business partner. So, Mark, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it.